Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we are enhancing your full stack of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, do you know how I know this is going to be a good episode? I'd love to know. How do you know? I'm actually a bit nervous. I'm like, what if this isn't good? So, you know when you've had like a couple of cups of caffeine and you're like looking down, you've got half a cup to go and you start getting like the jitters and you're like, I think I'm at this perfect level of peak performance right now. I'm there, but I'm still going to keep drinking the coffee. And I, that's why I know it's going to be a great episode. You know what else? Well, this rule, like, Grant, three cups okay. before nine. And it's like, <laughs> that'll really get you where you need to be. <laughs> now, I got up at seven and it's 8.30 now and I'm on my third cup. So sweet spot, the sweet spot, sweet spot, sweet spot. <laughs> you know what else is good and does give me the jitters and is as pleasurable as coffee, Charlie? Is it my newsletter? It's the newsletter. For everyone who's listening, head over to fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your details. We send you out an update every time we drop an episode, but we also have some cool as Easter eggs coming out. That is fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. I reckon I'm getting better at these intros, but something that I've always wanted to beat was your disclaimer. Let's cue it. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, this is an episode I've actually wanted to do for a while. I've been uh, in deep thought in how to articulate it because it's a little bit complex, but I think once people get this, it has the ability to really change the trajectory of their wealth. Now, we're going to, or I'm going to be really here, unpacking the idea of how compounding and leverage can actually work together and perhaps that too much focus on one or the other can lead people worse off. So I want to share a story. Actually, I might, before I even do that, is just describe the difference between compounding and leverage, and then I want to share the story that goes around it. So when I talk about things that have leverage, what I'm talking about is like uh, our media company here, where we employ people, those people help us, the leverage is the team in that example there. So a really, really easy one. Um, if I was thinking about leverage when it comes to investing, it would be debt, right? I'm borrowing money to buy more assets, that's leverage. When I think about compounding, I'm really thinking about things that stack on top of each other by themselves in general. So this would be like compound interest in a bank account is a really good example. Or in the case, one of the ones I actually like to include here is like a brand. So if you think oh. of brands like Apple, for example, I would say they're brand compounds. Like it really does. They've done a miraculous thing, although completely noting they probably spend a crap ton of money to maintain that <laughs> brand and reputation and all the rest of it. I still think that's a, a modern day thing that compounds. I really, really do. Um, I probably throw relationships in the category of compounding as well. Totally. Uh, yes. Yeah, completely. All right. So I'll, I'll share what uh, happened to me. And then we can dig into some other examples because I see this rampantly today. I actually had some calls last week with some uh, other business owners and I can see they don't get this yet. So we're going to hopefully help a lot of people with this. So earlier on in business, when I had the agency, I developed an obsession with leverage. So I was convinced the more leverage I can create in my business, the better things would become. So an example here was if I was, let's say, running an ad account, 
it was a better business model if someone else was running that ad account and I was uh, out of that, you know, the whole idea of like work on the business, not in the business. Yep. Yeah, so I became a little bit more obsessed with that. So what I would do is focus on hiring people to do things. I would do things like try and make trainings and sell trainings because you make it once and then you're able to sell it multiple times. And in theory, this sounds like the more leverage you have in a business model, the better it is. But in reality, like it was much more profitable for me to run an ad account myself at this point or be involved in those ad accounts a little bit more rather than trying to be a bit more hands-off. So this obsession with leverage at this point actually led me to have an overall less profitable business. More leverage, don't get me wrong, but less overall profit. So what that meant for me is because I had less overall profit, what was happening is less profit means I'm taking less profit out of my business and investing less. Yep. So when I'm now investing less, this is the thing that compounds, right? That piece over here is going slower. Or not at all. Yeah. So for a lot of people, even if they are focused on leverage, there's no compounding happening. Right? Or very slow compounding. I yeah. Uh- it's funny, I had the same thing in the software business. <laughs> I don't know if I've shared to you like how I did it. So I used to have an SEO agency and I'm like, oh man, I hate agency work. Like the team, the replacement of the team, the clients, like everything was just a bit of a grind. Great profit margins. It was just a, a bit of a grind. And I remember reading and like going, well, what are the better business models for me to implement and everyone's like technology technology is where it's at so i dove deep into the technology rabbit hole because it's like i can build some software once and just utilize that forever right like the one to many leverage component and did i did this for years (laughs) like five six years on punching off this concept of how do i get better leverage as a business owner and I, i thought it was king because i'm like well what other better Leverage is there, Charlie. Then code. Code has to be one of the best lever- leverages in and my And it's mind. a great one, by the way. It totally <laughs> is great for leverage. And so then I took six, like a decent chunk of six figures over a period of time, and I did not pay my salary for uh, myself a salary for like two and a half years, and I just poured all this cash into this one business thinking that that was the key. And it wasn't until <laughs> a lot of conversations between you and I and a lot of sort of self-reflection where I'm like, hang on, wait, what am I actually doing that's compounding here? <laughs> like I've got this business that's growing, but like what am I doing that's compounding? Like, I got can, can, we use a, can we use a number on that? Because this is another one I really want to unpack here. So this is where the idea of like um, let's say it was 100 grand. I don't know. Yep. I think it was more than that, but let's no, say it, it was. It more, but we'll use 100 grand. Okay, well, uh, we're going to bump that up then. We're going to say it's 250 grand then just to make it sting a little bit for <laughs> just, you. It's this dagger. Oh, my all right. Well, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to say how much you put into it, but it was substantial, dude, or I was substantial. But if you've got that 250 grand and you just plowed it into something that has leverage, right? Great. Like you potentially are going to create leverage, but what would that 250 grand have done if you had used it as a deposit on a, a million dollar property and let that compound? Just keep sticking it in. <laughs> but yes. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're running a business and you're electing to focus on leverage, and ignoring compounding, you may actually get lesser overall returns. I am case study number one. This guy right here, case study number one of like, don't, like I learned the hard way. You know how people like learn by like failure, like the, the school of hard knocks. Yeah. Compl- 
Well, this guy. his insight number two, right, is that so Charlie starts to recognize this. He goes to play uh, golf one day, and he's like, "All right, Mercedes, Mercedes, oh, you know, Porsche, like all the guys with serious money and serious wealth." I'm like, doctor, lawyer, the crappy business models, right? Trading time for money, but their wealth is astronomical. Yep. And I go, how? How? What? what what's the difference here? I, I've been led to believe that, you know, you shouldn't trade your time for money. That's a terrible idea. Okay, great. So I'm at a, a very expensive golf club. I'm seeing all these people that are trading time for money that have done really well in life. What's the gap? Maybe they've all written books, Charlie. Maybe they've all got software companies. Maybe they just are better at leverage than you. Apparently. <laughs> but I think this is the point where people sort of don't see the other side. Like leverage by itself is great. Don't get me wrong. Like there is so much to leverage that is valuable for business owners, right? As long as they factor in the, the, the good and the bad with it, to your point around running the agency, having the team that has an expense where if you're like, well, if I use less team, bit more of my time, I can extract more profits. But isolated, it is not the thing that will produce the same results of the guys driving Mercedes and Land Rovers and Porsches and stuff like that at the golf club. I'm by no means saying that their car necessarily is the thing here, but I think we could all acknowledge in general, if you were to meet doctors, lawyers in general, they're an affluent bunch. So let's, and I really want to unpack this because I think the examples really make you think about it. It made me think about it a lot. So you've got a, a doctor here. Let's pretend he's a surgeon, right? He has to work. He has to go do surgery to make the thing happen, to get paid. He gets really paid well for that though. If he takes his capital and instead of trying to deploy it in software companies, <laughs> knife twist, he takes it and he goes, I'm going to buy uh, potentially a property or invest that into something that compounds. In the, in the same time frame as your investment versus this one, a few years down the road, his net wealth and potentially cash flow and things that the person who's trying to get that from leverage would have got has achieved in a different way. So yep. what's this person done is they've gone, I'm taking my active income that doesn't have leverage or compounding, I'm leveraging using debt and I'm using compounding over here and I've actually created a better overall business model and vehicle because I've combined the worlds of business and wealth. Totally. Just like Transformers when they all combined into that big Is that Transformers? No, that's Power, Power Rangers. I was say, Don't judge Rangers. me, Charlie. <laughs> And there was Captain Planet, you. right? Now that your powers are combined, I'm, I'm Captain Planet. Like, was that our, was that our this childhood? Is you, this, this is why you do the analogies, not me. <laughs> if anyone could please let us know, do the Transformers ever actually come together? I feel like they I did. I did swear they? they do. I swear there was an episode where they came together. But, right. but this was Maybe. the point. This, this is, you've, you've hit this point. It was the Power Rangers. No, the actual point that I was going to say is it's the, the flywheel. Right, it is everything together. It is not things in isolation, right? Like if you put a little bit of money in a bank account or in like one investment and go, I'm done, this is going to be me forever, the compounding might not get you to where you want. It's the flywheel of doing the thing, which is why business owners have such a good advantage in this, right? And doctors and surgeons and all that can be incorporated into what I'm saying on, on business owners is because they can do the thing in their business, via whether it's via leverage or not leverage and invest that into something that is compounding, whether they use leverage for debt 
or to go and sort of exacerbate it and grow a bit more and then just continually do that flywheel. And that is like the, the greatest concept of what do they call it? Dollar cost averaging in the share market, right? It's like, how do I take this money and just continue, continually stoke that fire, stoke that fire until it's at a point where I need it to be or I want it to be in order for me to achieve whatever goal I'm looking for. And so it's actually, and I loved what you said, it's the combination of them, the, the power ranges, if you will, of them where you've got your leverage and your compound and you go, well, how do I bring these together? And you have leverage in your business and you have leverage in your investments. You have compound, you can have compounding in your business and you can have compounding in your investments. So it's not them in isolation. It's like, how do you bring them together and strategically play that game for one sort of greater outcome? Yeah, so I really want to unpack some things that, uh, again, if you take it back to my obsession, right, I'm looking at this and going, well, in the agency model, I could have been overall more profitable if I was willing to do some things in the accounts. My unwillingness to do that created a lower margin. So the one that stands out to me today, and this is the one I see uh, more dominantly, is you've got, I'm going to say, like the education space. So these are people that are consultants or do masterminds or have courses, and I'm going to lump them all into one bucket for this analogy here, noting they're very, very different, and we may unpack them a little bit more. If you're uh, currently a consultant and you do one-on-one work, so we'll keep it in the same realm, you teach people how to run an agency. Yep. Right, because we're talking about the difference between doing and now teaching it. You might sell your one-on-one time uh, for a really good rate. And you might be sitting there going, oh, I've got to turn this into a one-to-many program. I've now got to turn this into a course. I've got to make a book. And it's like you start coming up with all these ideas of how you can create leverage, but there is going to be – and you may still pursue those, but you may be completely ignoring the idea that you may be better off just taking that good income you've got and moving it like a doctor or lawyer. Totally. And this comes back to – yeah, continues there. Right, so why do people, um, in general, someone who's doing one-on-one will hit a ceiling on their income and then go, all right, well, I'm only capable, there's only so many hours in the week, this is all the teaching I can do, I need to swap to one-to-many or I need to make a course. Yep. Now, if let's say that person, uh, I'm going to use a really easy example here, let's say they're making 20 grand a month doing one-on-one and they live on 10. I'm just using round numbers, easy numbers for this. If you're able to take that 10 and get it compounding, right, that compound rate's going to be uh, significant. If you swapped to suddenly doing books, so you dropped down your consulting and you said, look, I'm making these books, it's better leverage, but all of a sudden you're only making 15 a month. So now you're taking that five and you're contributing in there. You've just halved the rate of compounding on the other side here. Yep. Now, why is someone looking to make these changes is to overall make more money. Like people are trying to deploy more leverage to make more money, but completely not recognizing that you may be able to grow your wealth far faster and achieve something more there, potentially, you know, not financial advice in the how and the housing side of things or on the uh, in the investment side of things versus get that return in your business. Yeah. And it is such an interesting concept because we see this a lot in the business owners that we coach and talk to where they just play this never-ending game of leverage without – and I'm going to stack one more thing on top of it – without actually realizing that the set of skills to write a book, market a book, sell a book, and scale the book is fundamentally different from being the consultant or the thing, <laughs> right? Like, wait, wait, the- wait. We've got to stay there. How many people do you know that have made a course – 
thinking it was better leverage only to realize that marketing that course is really hard and difficult and challenging and they end up just spending all that time on marketing it. Dude, totally. I, I, yes, I spoke to a guy yesterday around uh, agency and courses um, around and he's just like, cool, I've worked with an agency owner and I want to build courses and start selling the courses uh, because I think that's going to be a better leverage. And I'm like, it's a fundamentally different business. <laughs> I'm like, it's not, they're not one in the same. Um, but it comes back to your point around, well, if if you're consulting to people or running an agency, it's like, well, what is, and what, I'm going to do a shout out to James Ramco on this one. Like, what's your effective hourly rate? Like, what are you, for the hours you're putting in, how much money are you actually making back, right? Because to your point, if you're making 20 grand with a net of $10,000 on consulting, and then you would go and put all this time and effort into researching door to book and selling it for 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever, and then building a funnel for it, selling it, doing all those kind of things. At some period of time, at what point do you stop and look back and go, was that a better use of my time? And this is what I had on the capital that I deployed into the software company of going, wait a second, there's actually a better use for my capital for me than putting it more into the business. Because I'm like, at what point do I sit there and analyze and say, well, what the hell do I have in my inventory that's just compounding for me outside of like a business, which I would argue is not just a compounder. So well, I would go as far to say James is a master of this concept. He's oh, doing he it is. incredibly well in both worlds. So in yeah. his business and in his investing life, which um, I think he's an absolute champion of what we're preaching here. So it's like I would say he's one to watch because he's done it at a level of excellence where he has great leverage components of his business. He also has some things he does. I know he does some uh, one-on-one in Silver Circle and has a mastermind and all those things. But then on the investing front, he's uh, done the same things. Can I use a reverse example here to make another point? Go on. All right, developers. Right, so – If you think about many people in developing will look at the returns they can get where they uh, buy a block of land or- Property developers. Yeah, 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 property developers, just to be clear, not website developers. I'm sitting there going, my coders? Yeah, great. Yeah, Yeah, so they are people that uh, will go in, potentially buy a block of land or buy a property, knock down it, develop it, get their return and sell it, right? But then once they sell it, there's nothing compounding for them. So you see many developers where they've actually taken an asset where it does compound really well and actually turned it into something where it's got good leverage, don't get me wrong, but they've reduced their entire compound effect. Now, I actually found this interesting. Many developers actually end up retiring worse off because they focused on getting the returns from their developments rather than stacking things that compound. Mm. So this is uh, kind of the reverse thinking into that. And I will give a, a shout out to um, Rob Flux who brought me into this idea because the way the way he thinks about it, and I just want to use a different concept, when he's done developments, he's got his one in six rule where he goes he'll uh, buy a block of land and he'll build six on it and he knows his margin is that he'll sell five of them and keep one. So he is actually keeping an asset on every development that then compounds. Yep, which is probably – Paid off. Yeah, dude, that's a great concept because you've got because you got compound on the rent and you've got compound on the value of the property. Yeah, so th- this is a guy that sat there and rethought the idea of his business model where it's got great leverage where now he's turned it into something that has leverage and compounding. And I'll just share one more thing. He finishes every development with a property he then owns outright, which he can then borrow against to do his next development or have the rent coming in to increase his borrowing power on the next one. Like 
that is leverage and compounding in a business model at just another level. I think it's an excellent idea. Respect, Rob. Respect. I am. I'm curious. Have you ever done like an audit across like your own books and just gone, how much of this is compounding versus not compounding? Like, are you are you that so specific on top of it? Where like you, it's almost like your health of your I don't know, call it personal wealth is based on what's compounding and what's not compounding. So to use this as an example around you got your business, we're exchanging time for income, doing some consulting, got the media business and all those kind of things, and then you've got your assets outside of it. Is it always a game of like what is compounding more and what am I moving? How much money am I moving into what's compounding? Like is that everything in your mind? I'll share some insights on I've had from this. Um, have you ever been on like the money smart calculator about compound interest? Have you ever done like gone on there and say like if I invest if I have this much money and I invest this much per month and it comes back at 7%, where does it end up in 10 years? Yeah, so I'll answer that with a quick story. I did it once upon when I started my software companies and then I blocked the website so I could never go and see it again. Probably wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but don't you see, like you get sold these narratives of like, oh, it's a terrible, trading your time for money is terrible, Grant. Don't do that. Yeah. You've got to focus on leverage and software. Like that's where everyone winning uh, that is not my experience. I think that people slay the sacred cows. So yes. they come in and tell you that consulting is a terrible business model because you're trading your time for money and you need to focus on things that are leveraging if you want to uh, get to being wealthy. And I'm not against creating better business models. I just think they're missing the idea of like you can take this uh, time for money thing and turn it into something that compounds and has leverage, which I think is there. So I'll take you through this moment. I'm sitting on this uh, money smart calculator. I'm going through, okay, well, if I've got this much money and I can invest this much per month and I can get a 7% return, where does it get to, right? And then I go, what would happen if I could get 10% returns? And I crank it up and then I start thinking about the risk I have to take to start increasing the returns, right? So you have to become a better investor and potentially take on more risk to do that. So, for example, and I'm not at all suggesting people do that, if the average return on an index fund is 7%, that's like the easiest way to get your 7%. If you want to get 10%, well, now you've got to start picking individual stocks that outperform that way harder. I'm looking at that and going, well, what if instead of trying to get outsized returns on investing, I just put more money in? So rather than let's in this example saying I invest $10,000 a month, what if I invest 15? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm going, wow, the money you put in makes a bigger difference than um, the returns you get. And I'm sitting there as a business owner, I'm going, I actually think it would be easier for me to generate more money in business, even if it is trading time for money or through these leveraged outcomes and invest more than it would be for me to create crazier returns. So that was like my number one epiphany of going, well, if I focus too much on leverage and my profit gets too small, it's going to slow down my investing too much where it's going to take too long for that flywheel effect to come on. Yeah. So there's a different game to be thought about here in the context of achieving like financial independence, right? If you're going to go after that goal, you've got to really reconsider it. So that was my epiphany moment like on there about like the amount of profit you take from a business and compound matters a lot, really matters a lot. Obsession with leverage is not the only way. There's different ways to play this game. You don't win because you've got a high leverage business model. You can win with no leverage as long as the income is okay. 
Wouldn't recommend it, but still you get my point. All right, so second epiphany there. All right, so that's the first one. The second epiphany I had a few years back is when my – so we we keep two sets of books. We have our business books, which I'll call the active business books, and then I have my accommodation business, also known as my property investment portfolio, and it's when that business started making more than my active business. Yep. So when we had moved enough profit into the prop, uh, uh, property portfolio, which you just got to think like in year one it made not much at all. But after a few years of things compounding and the a number of properties we have, now that compound effect over there is so strong, it makes more than my uh, active business does at all. So when that happened, that was really impactful for me from the idea of going, well, it wouldn't matter if I had no leverage in my business now. Like I could literally trade all my time for money as long as I keep pouring things on that, I win. Like that's the yeah. cheat code to winning at life now because that has on this side of the equation – so when I think about my accommodation business, it has all the leverage and compounding baked into it. Isn't it interesting? In uh, in the Facebook, the full stack business owner Facebook group, uh, there was a conversation around uh, a previous episode that we did on building a business for cash flow to sell for impact and lifestyle. And there was there was a question that was propped up around like, what is the best approach and what is the best thing to do first? Um, and it was really interesting seeing sort of all the business owners talk about their interpretation of how to play this strategy. And this was literally one of the points that triggered off this topic because it's like, okay, well, have you thought about the cash flow into compounding assets? <laughs> like, is, have you ever thought about your business as the mechanism that is reliable and consistent that can just continue stoking that fire where the game is profit extraction? into a better vehicle and the better vehicle is not a bigger business in most circumstances. Like I would argue uh, It that. totally can be. It can, like, I think right, the most challenging thing in this conversation we're having now is this is not a one size fits all. I, I think the most challenging thing is there's a, uh, let's say there's a plumber out there right now. What's he going to do? Start writing books to get better, better leverage? <laughs> Just focus on getting a, a bigger, t- a bigger team. Like yep. his best opportunity might be, no, go clean the drains. You're going to make great money doing drains select an investment vehicle and focus that on your strategy because over time how you get better leverage is that you're going to be able to compound really well. Now, for others that are in a a business model that allows better leverage and a whole bunch of things, which I think internet marketers take for granted, um, that different story, right? So this is where it's like it's very individualized. Mm. I think the awareness piece is key. I was having a conversation with a guy who runs an agency um, and he's, he's done very well and he's looking to try and invest. He basically had a conversation. He's like, I want, to, I want to invest in other businesses. Why? I've got cash available and I'm good at running businesses and that's what I want to do. I just want to keep building businesses because they're going to be the cash cows that continue to provide me income every single month. And, and it was an interesting conversation around sort of talking to him of going, okay, well, what do you have now? And the greater question, if I had just summarised it in one question, was like, what do you have now that is compounding for you? Where the business you are trading time for money and you're utilising team and code and stuff like that for leverage, which is awesome, and it's creating great profit and you're looking to produce more of that, but it keeps coming back to this foundational base of cash in a bank account. What else do you have that compounds? What is growing? Like, What are the assets that you have outside of cash flow from businesses? And the answer was nothing. And that was his massive epiphany moment where he's just like, oh, 
if something happens to me and I can't earn or if something happens to the economy and I can't earn, I I don't have anything else. Like there is nothing that I've got that's compounding. Um, and then previously we've spoken about this risk off concept of going, well, where is, do you, where do you have these things that like if business is a risk on quite active, you need to be around to put fuel on the fire. Where is the risk off where it kind of can compound on itself and it can kind of operate itself to an extent without you really getting heavily involved. And for him, it was almost that question of going, Oh, Oh, that's the thing that I've missed for someone who's very, very successful, that was the only thing that was the only gap because not too many businesses talk about the, uh, not too many uh, educational concepts or books talk about the concept of leverage and compound being combined into a super saiyan. I love we keep bringing up. Uh, I had now, to. I, <laughs> now we're in Dragon Ball Z. I actually love Dragon Ball Z, by the way. Dude, I thought that was a great show. Did he? I got Goku coming out of my ears. It's great. So yeah, is, the, was, is the frame up here that it's like, okay, leverage, if you just focus on leverage, right, you're saying, right, and if you just focus on compounding, right, you're only a saying, but if you can combine leverage and compounding, that's super saying, super saying. maybe even that's, super saying too. That's, well, you know how he's got the levels? Like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> like the, his, his power levels are off the chart, Charlie. <laughs> but that's, but that was the point, but it was this question that, because, okay, Charlie, like, how many things have you read? Because for me, I understood the concept of compounding from a heap of great investors. Right? Talk about Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, all these kind of full-time investors. But for me, then I was reading books around leverage, like the Navals and things like that, of talking about well, people leverage, code leverage, all this like money leverage. But where is the where is the book that talks about the combination of them to say, okay, well, <laughs> maybe if you look at doing both at the same time maybe that's going to be great and so for me that was a frustrating epiphany through my sort of decade of running businesses and just funneling cash back into more businesses more businesses more businesses and then i got to the end of like i just got cash flow but what am i going to do with it um it was more of a frustration upon going why the hell did someone not tell me about this combination of the two like earlier and that oh dude i can't tell you how frustrated it was for me I was, just, I was just sitting there going, oh, it's so clear. <laughs> if only someone had brought it up before. But, yeah, I'll keep talking about my frustrations. No, I, to the point is, like, I would make – I think this is a conversation that isn't happening. I think the investing people in general are very focused on compounding and they isolated that in their world. Totally. And the business people are very focused on leverage and they're not thinking about compounding because, you know, the more leverage a business has, the better it potentially is. I'll say potential, right? Because, like, again, there's different things that exist within that. I would, when you can combine them, and like, I would make the argument that the reason I've been able to create the life I have today is because I've had both working for me. Mm. Like, it's the both that has made the difference overall. Um, so that's like the key message that I think is here, and just like the continuous effort of marketers and people to tell you why you know trading your time for money is a terrible idea. Don't do that. It doesn't work, Grant. It's a bad business model. It might actually be the thing that enables you to achieve the thing you're actually trying to achieve in the quickest possible time rather than trying to rebuild a new business in another area that has better leverage where potentially you can have zero uh, capital to invest in that compounding component. Yeah, or redeploying capital into other business mechanisms to, that have the potential to go and earn you more cash flow and keep going back into these foundational points. So for people sitting there 
now Charlie going, holy smokes, I could totally see. Uh, no, I'll be, wait, I'll be so happy if someone's out there going, actually said, holy smokes. Hey, don't you know? Everybody's like taking my phrases and just saying them now. It's fantastic. So when people see they're going, holy smokes, Grant, you're right. Transformers, they come together, create a massive power sword. What, like, what, what, they, what the hell do they do now? <laughs> like they're like, okay, Charlie, thanks. Thanks for telling me I've been running. This is me. Thanks for telling me I've run businesses wrong for a decade. Like where I've just been feeding back the business sort of beast. What do I do? Like, I just accept it and go, ah. Like, yeah, definitely. Well, could you just imagine this, right, is that at once a point in time, right, People didn't realize that peanut butter and jelly went together. Still then once they, they did, <laughs> they've merged something together that allows them to have a better overall experience. <laughs> At one point, these these operated in isolation, and now they are together to become something more. <laughs> this is the analogy special. Like <laughs> it really is. We got now it's, it's Super Saiyan peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> Now, uh, but the point I make on this one here is that I, I tend to believe that what you focus on grows. So if you're yeah. only focused on leverage, that's probably what all you're going to create. And if you're obsessed about compounding, that's all you're going to create. All it is. I don't think any of these concepts are groundbreaking. What I do think is groundbreaking, that is, imagine you started getting your monthly reports and you started to have more awareness on both of these and started to shape up your decisions around how can I make sure I'm playing both of these well. Yep. It. it- it's fascinating that you talk about that because that's exactly what I talk about with my bookkeeper. And I have a catch up with him on Wednesday. And it's it's the separation between the business, which like the goal is cash, it's profit. And then the other side of it is the personal business where the whole point is uh, compounding growth and cash flow. And But everything has to always continue to grow. If my cash flow doesn't continue to grow and the value of the assets don't continue to grow, then it's probably a really bad asset. Um, but those are the goalposts that I now have. And it, yeah, I only started that what, a couple of years ago, but before I was like, like, what bookkeeper was coming to me saying those kind of things? Like, what, where was that kind of coming from? Where my yardstick is actually, well, what are the activities that I can do in a business within reason that can extract the most amount of profit? And then how can I push as much of that into a compounding vehicle? And I'm just like, like in isolation, it, in isolation, people talk about it and I don't, I don't want to say that. And they're right. But getting profits out of a business is a great goal. Getting leverage, great. Compounding, great. But I'm like, I just one of those things that I just, I still sit there dumbfounded, just kind of why? Like it's, it's them mixed together, Charlie. It is. All right. Well, let's wrap this one up. I think we've covered it pretty well. I'm hopeful that ever, anyone who listens to this will start to play both worlds in a bigger way. Is there any points you want to add on to this? Otherwise, totally. Cut the, this. the other analogy I was going to go was Vegemite and uh, on saladas. Like Vegemite and butter and saladas. I actually but, probably should have used a more Australian one, like Vegemite <laughs> and cheese. Um, well, at least you didn't call it jelly, peanut butter and jelly. Well, that was great. <laughs> at least you called it actual jam. That was great. All right, wrap this one up. For everyone who's listening to this uh, short, sharp, to the point episode, uh, we do have a newsletter, just in case you didn't know. I don't know. We should probably start talking about this at the start of every episode, Charlie. We have a, ne- a newsletter. Head over to fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter, put in your details so you get updated on everything that we punch out because it's good and you know you want to be part of it. I just want to say thank you. Thank you to you, Charlie. Thanks to the webcam. Thanks to everything that we record on for catching us and listening to us. And we look forward to catching you all on the next episode of Full Stack Business Owner.